Welcome to our Farmer Mentor Series right here on Farmer's Inside Track. In this series, we bridge the gap between small-scale and aspiring farmers and the mentors who have walked the very path they are about to embark on. These mentors are the living textbooks of the land. They have paid their school fees and have weathered tough storms. So whether you're a small-scale farmer looking to expand your operation or a new era farmer taking your first steps into the rich soil of agriculture, this podcast series is just for you. Come and learn and leave inspired. Hello, podcast family. My name is Duncan Masua. I'm extremely excited because this is the first episode of our Mentor Farmer series. Now, one such mentor is award-winning farmer Kobela Mohotra, the owner of Kurema Farm in Winterfeld near Pretoria. Let's go and meet Kobela, a farmer with wisdom that runs as deep as the soil and a love that brightens up every field. My brother, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. It's definitely been a minute since we last spoke to each other. How are you? How's the family? Thank you so much for this opportunity. I must confess that this is my first podcast I'm doing ever. And I've listened to a few podcasts and this is the first one. So thank you. But also congratulations to you for starting this. You know, I'm doing this from Cape Town and you are in your, your secret location there in Pretoria. So let's see how <laughs> this goes. <laughs> I'm definitely excited. You know, of course, you know, there's a lot I can say about you, my friend, and your farming business. Your story and your agricultural journeys is well documented. You know, every time I come across a new piece that is written about you or a TV interview, I think I'm always reminded that, you know, you're one of those farmers who are not bound to tradition, but instead, you know, you embrace the changing landscape of farming with open arms and a forward-thinking spirit. That's definitely something that stands out for me when it comes to you. But help me inspire the next generation. Briefly take us through your farming business. What is it that you do? I know you've told the story a million times. <laughs> what is it that you do and how did your family get into farming? Briefly, um, a third generation farmer. I was named after my grandfather who bought this property in 1969. He did a bit of farming whilst he was a shopkeeper in Winterfeld. And my dad was then born. He worked in corporate for 21 years, and then he decided, look, let's try this farming thing out. He then passed over the farm to myself, and I will now work with my sister. We've gone through trying different crops, delved into a little bit of livestock, and just try to see what works for us. And we've settled with crops, particularly cucumbers. It's quite interesting for me that, you know, your family, you've played with different commodities. You know, you talk about different crops and livestock as well, but you've settled on cucumbers. Why the focus on cucumbers? Why this commodity specifically? It was not by choice, by the way. We wanted to grow tomatoes, peppers. And a mate of mine who ran a nursery one year had a very bad year in terms of germination on, on the tomatoes. I obviously couldn't run the farm on half the tomatoes uh, that, 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 that were germinated. So he then introduced me to cucumbers with the hope that I will feel better and close the gaps of his mistake. So basically what, that's what happened. I was introduced to cucumbers. Fortunate enough, the prices were relatively good and I never looked back since, you know. Uh, but I must also emphasize that the, the following year, prices 
on the market dropped ridiculously low and I sort of regretted it, but we soldiered on with the hope that things would get better. So I was not even aware of cucumbers and how they grow up until this mate of mine introduced me to cucumbers. You talk about that, you know, that drop in, in terms of market prices. And I'm wondering perhaps if, if this is a reason why there are so few cucumber farmers, you know, in comparison to the more popular crops such as spinach and tomatoes. Why is that the case, um, Kumela? Why do we have so few cucumber farmers? The top reason from the top of my head is the fact that it's so expensive to grow cucumber with tomatoes and peppers and spinach. Uh, you know, your seed cost is relatively low. Uh, with cucumbers, we probably have the highest seed cost uh, throughout the whole community range of, of, of vegetables. And, and and that's one of the reasons why it's just so expensive. But also, uh, you know, it's a very short uh, cycle crop because you can get into the market and get out very quickly. Um, and, and it requires a lot of experience because it grows so quickly. But, um, I mean, just to, to to sum up my answer, the, the, the fact is that the, because of the cost, the competition is very low. Uh, and you know what they say in the business, uh, if the entry to the business is high, that means competition is low. Mm-hmm. So they, they, there's few of us who have gone relatively big. Um, and, and for me, that's a problem. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews where you become... The, the only black uh, who's doing cucumbers at this scale for a very long time. And that for me has bothered to say, look, how best can we make new guys coming into growing cucumbers accessible and let them enter the market? And I think one of the reasons why we're having this podcast is, is to hopefully get more cucumber growers to the market. And that'll really make competition, positive competition for us to really you know work hard at what we do. Hopefully it'll drop prices and, and obviously, there's a whole ripple effect for us to enjoy. But because there's a few of us who have gone relatively big, uh, suppliers really play around with us and we really play to their ball because if we don't go to their tune, we really can't grow cucumbers. So I'd love to see a lot. But just to answer your question, it's primarily because of the cost. It's not an easy sector. And we hope that, you know, after listening to this interview, that farmers will not only just be inspired by your story, but also they will be inspired to develop their their farming businesses wherever it is that they operate. It brings me to the next question. You talk about the challenges. You talk about the input costs, the high input costs. What would you say, what are some of the key factors that a farmer should consider when selecting cucumber varieties for their farm? Are there any specific varieties that perform exceptionally well for you in particular? I think the basics of choosing a particular variety is, you know, climate. That's probably your number one. And then we can go into more technical issues around how much water do you have? You know, some varieties prefer more water as opposed to the others. And then you can get more technical in terms of around size. Are you looking for a medium, large, extra large? There's a few varieties that are coming into the market that are performing relatively well. Previously, there used to be one or two players who would dominate the space, but over the years, we've seen that we're so used to having the most expensive being the best because, you know, you look at a disease package that comes with the seed and you think, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to do less effort and grow more cucumber out of the seed. So we've seen that slight change because of more players coming into the market that we see cucumber seed prices 
dropped slightly, still expensive as compared to the other crops, but they dropped slightly. So one of the things I want you to look at is climate, and then you can jump into costs, and then you can get more technical in terms of how much water do you have. But also in terms of skill, you know, the more experience you have around handling cucumbers, then you can jump into varieties that are more technical and it'll give you more cucumber, but for more work. Uh, experience also has a big role to play in terms of the variety that you choose. What do you mean skill? I thought you just plant a seed and it grows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You you need to have the skill. Um, because many farmers make the big mistake that cucumber needs a lot of water because it's 80% water. You get many farmers that over-irrigate very easy and the plant will just die. So you need to understand the crop relatively well um, to know when to over-irrigate, when to under-irrigate. You're constantly adjusting how to prune the plant. Should I grow more aggressive? When the internals become smaller, what do I do in this case? You're always adjusting because the cucumber grows very fast. You're constantly adjusting how you do things. So today might be very different from tomorrow. Let's talk about soil preparation. Are there any preferred soil preparation techniques for cucumber cultivation? And how do you manage soil fertility and nutrient requirements uh, for cucumber Mm -hmm. plants on your farm? We don't grow in the soil because we want to grow cucumbers all the time. Then you you devil around having to keep the soil fertile, etc. So we grow in a medium, particularly wood shavings. And we can take a crop into the market and out of the market as quickly as possible without having to worry about tilling the soil, etc. So the growing medium option works best for us. We don't have to worry about the fertility because we're constantly feeding fertilizers to ruin the system. So that works very well for us. And I'm sure guys who are growing cucumbers in the soil have different challenges as compared to us. You know, this is exactly what I talked about when I introduced you as a future-focused farmer. Farming is not easy. I can imagine, you know, over the years, you and your family, you've made several mistakes when it comes to Mm -hmm. cucumber farming. What are some of those mistakes and what lessons have you learned from them? We went and built a six-kilometer pipeline to secure water for us for generations to come. Now, before we would pump water from a bowl and that seemingly worked well, but with the expansion and future expansion plans that we have, we looked at investing into a water pipe that cost us quite a bit of money, eight million to be specific. Yeah. We saw our <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what? Pipeline. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. We then put down this pipeline and for two years we saw our production drop. So just to give you an example, we would harvest between nineteen to twenty one cucumbers per plant. And we dropped for two years to eight, nine, maybe even seven. Production dropped ridiculously. And I said to one of my managers, listen, you're underperforming. What is this? And she says, listen, you showed me everything and I'm doing everything by the book. And I said, no, 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 hang on. You're not performing well. This is horrible. How do you drop from 19 to seven or eight fruits per plant? This is very bad, you know? And she says to me, listen, I know you might find it very difficult. Can we test the water? And I'm like, yeah, I was doubtful. You know, we had spent so much money in putting this pipeline. There was no way that the water could have an influence. Generally, we would do like a baseline test of the water. 
nothing technical and uh, we won't go to an extent where we test the micronutrients. Then was, you know, having an argument with this person who I think is my junior and, you know, I know way more than you. I've been doing this for way long. You can't <laughs> tell me anything about cucumbers. And she's like, listen, let's just try to test the water, you know? So with a tail between my legs, I go and test the water and we found out our problem that this high nitrates in the water that are affecting our cucumbers. So I had to go and apologize to this employee to say, listen, I'm very sorry. The mistake was on our side. The biggest mistake was just undermining the fact that this expensive thing that you've built, there was no way it would have a problem. It's like buying an expensive car and they tell you, oh no, this car stuck on the middle of the road. It's the last thing you want to hear. Yeah. So that was a big lesson to say, look, don't even undermine the most expensive things at work. I really had an egg on my face that I had to sort of say, look, I'm really sorry. And that really helped us. I mean, now production is looking very good because we're taking the basics very seriously. We're testing our water every second week. Yes, it is costly, but because we're drawing water from a wastewater treatment plant, and I must tell you this background story. So what happened was we did test the water initially when we put up the pipeline. Obviously, we wouldn't have done it without it. And it was before this five blow shedding. And what we've picked up is that the guys at the wastewater treatment plant, there are days where, or even times where they don't clean the water to the accepted norm simply because they can't run certain machines because of low shedding. That affected us negatively because obviously that's where we draw water. So over the years, we saw, hang on, why are we having this drop in production? But we later then realized that the guys at the water treatment plant can't clean the water to the levels that we want. So then we needed to invest not only in testing the water on a regular basis, but also in a, in a treatment plant that will clean our water further so that we can actually make sure that we have relatively clean water for our cucumbers. Not only a big lesson that you learn, but also an expensive one. Absolutely. It costs a lot of money. I mean, I didn't go to any agricultural school, so I'm now paying my school fees that cost way more than just getting an agricultural degree, you know. It just shows you, you know, the importance for farmers to actually know the source of everything. Where's your water coming from? Oh. How is it mm -hmm. being treated? How is it being looked after? Uh, definitely yeah. an important point there. And I think also in a way, yeah. just big ups to your farm manager that was able to pick that up. <laughs> Farmers, we like to be in control of every little thing. Please to, say that again. To, to, oh, yeah. We're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Farmers, we like to be in control of every little thing, you know, because there's so many variables on a farm. You need to know who is doing what, where. Is this machine running? Is this machine doing what it's supposed to do? Is this variety giving you the mediums that you wanted or the large cucumbers that you wanted? So the moment you don't have control, I feel nervous. I don't know about other farmers, but I want to know, even the guys at work, I get a registered work on my phone that tells me who's at work. For me, that gives me satisfaction just to know, oh, okay, everyone's at work, no one is sick. I like that. Even though some people might think, yeah, but that's like micromanaging but for me, it gives me the sense of control that I know certain tasks are going to be done in my absence because I have this guy there or this manager is there and this process is done. It just gives me that sense of comfort that I know my business is running in the right direction.
And I mean, I totally get you because at the end of the day, this is your baby. <laughs> Absolutely. You want to make sure that it's in the right hands. <laughs> We're busy developing a memo for the future employees we want to hire in the next 20 years. So in my absence, I want to know future employees that will work for us will take the business from A to B. Now, normally that will be the responsibility of the business owner. Yeah, yeah that's fine. But remember, without the employees it's very difficult for you to sort of move this business in the right direction. So we've now busy drafting a paper that in my absence, you need to know, Duncan, what sort of employees you need to look at for you to know, oh, okay, so this business is going in this particular direction. And I think that's important for many farmers to know systems. You know, we don't want to build systems because it just takes too much of your time. You don't want to be in front of a desk for so long. Because you've got better things to do. You want to be on a tractor, you want to do all the fun stuff. But I think it's important that you build systems to make sure that the business runs even in your absence. Kabela, what support system or systems would you say a cucumber farmer needs? A bigger sister or a bigger brother who's got deep pockets, you're going to need that. There'll be times where you max the credit card, where you max the <laughs> overdraft, where you max everything and you still need to fix something. So what I do is a lot of the farmers that call me for some advice or some support, what I've picked up is 90% of the solutions require money to be fixed. So if you say I have a particular pest on my crop, what do I do? The next thing is go and buy this particular chemical, it's going to help. And that requires money. Unfortunately, if you don't have money, it's going to be very difficult for you to solve the problem. And 10% of the solutions are management irrigated a particular time and not a particular time. But the one support system that you need to have is just definitely making sure that you've got enough money. Enough money is relative, you know. Some might say I've got 100,000, I should be fine. But it all depends on the scale of your business, you know, how big is it and where do you want to take it. I don't necessarily have one mentor. I've got a few mentors for different things. So I've got a guy who tells me your irrigation needs to be at this particular level. And this is how we're going to get it there. So then I would look at a guy like Duncan, who's doing very well in how they position themselves from a marketing point of view, PR point of view. And I take that. So a lot of the guys are mentoring me in their absence or actually in silence because I like bits and pieces. So definitely, if you don't find a particular mentor, look at what other guys are doing and sort of nibble from there. And that will help you to be complete. I used to sit on the fresh produce market in Pretoria and look at the trucks come in. And I would ask the guys who drive the trucks to say, listen, how do you get to come to the market every single day with more or less the same load? And the drivers would break it down to me to say, listen, we planted on a particular day. And, and I would be fascinated at the fact that the driver knows operations. He's not just so, a driver. Yeah, you know? sure. So not only that, but I'll also be inspired at the fact that this guy is driving an 18-wheeler and he's coming to the market every single day. How big is his farm? So all that stuff used to get me excited. And I thought, I need to get to this level. So your support systems need to come from different people because you won't find one particular farmer who's good everything that you need, you know. So try and, I suppose, have people's skills and that will really help you. But I think one of the biggest things that I keep on raving on about is the fact that the Agriculture Research Council 
is not giving the necessary support to farmers, especially when it comes to cucumbers, you know, because the costs are so high, you want to be on top of your game. One of the things is the amount of breeders we have in this country as the seed breeders are all lost, or actually most of them are lost to private companies because private companies have seen that the investment of a breeder on my farm can help me breed my own seeds. So we've lost all the seed breeders, which would have helped farmers to actually lower the cost of seeds because they will be produced in locally instead of us having to bring seeds from overseas, etc. So that sort of support is necessary. So then again, you know, I'm nibbling into government support, which is the ARC. So you need to have support systems all over the place that sort of make you complete. I don't believe in one particular mentor. That's so profound. You know, often the gospel that, you know, that we are preached is that, you know, you should have a mentor that you trust and that is the person that you go to for advice. But yeah, you are saying something completely opposite. Have several mentors, you know, have mentors that you admire from a distance and look at what they do. That's quite inspiring. What is your advice to someone who is considering starting a cucumber farming business or they've started, but they're still quite in the early stages of their their farming enterprise? What would you say? What are the key considerations for success in the field? The first thing you should do is have my number. You can call me anytime. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and my number is accessible. You know, I haven't changed my number. You go Google my name and surname, my number will pop up. It's the same number. And so many people get shocked. Is this really you? And I'm like, yeah, it's really me. You know? <laughs> Have my number. Um, I'm happy to share my experience and some of the ideas. But I always feel like people tend to abuse the fact that I've been at it for so long. So maybe this is important for me to share. So if you're going to go to a farmer and ask for advice, the last thing you want them to do is to give you the whole blueprint on a piece of paper. What you want to do is you want to say, hey, Duncan, I have been farming for so many years. I've struggled with X and we solve X and we move on because everyone is busy doing everything just to keep afloat. So the last thing I have, I don't have time for piece of consultation for someone who's not paying me, number one, Mm. and who's probably not going to take my advice because this is over their head. But if you come to me and you say, I'm struggling with, you know, not knowing which variety to choose. It makes my time, I tend to use it more effectively. And we can discuss that in particular. Um, That's the sort of advice I want to give people. Don't go at it and say, I want to grow cucumbers. I don't know where to start. Come to me with some sort of research that you've done. And then we break it down. For me, that excites me. If you come to me and you say, I've done my homework. This is what I've seen. I don't know if this works. For me, you know, it makes me feel good as well. I'm sharing information. But, you know, if you really come to me with a blank page and and hope that I give you the answers, chances are it's not going to work. So farmers are generally open-minded people. We love sharing information because it makes us feel good that I can help you. If you come to me without having tried, I really feel like you're abusing the system. So try it or at least attempt to do some sort of research, even if it's on a smaller scale for you to to make the person who you're going to ask for advice just more approachable and more easy because there's a lot of people that abuse the system. So I want you to first try or at least do some attempt at trying to farm, even if it's on a smaller scale, 
and then use that information to say, how do I grow what I've done? But Google doesn't have all the answers. The answers are you having to visit farmers, go sit on the market floor, look at who's doing what. If you like what they're doing, call them. Chances are they'll gladly take you on the farm and show you some of the tricks of the trade. So this goes to farmers who refuse people to go onto their farms. And I think that's so wrong because someone helped you to get to where you are. So I just want to encourage other farmers to help other farmers to get to a particular point, you know, so we can't just keep information to ourselves. There you have it, listeners. Google is your friend, but you won't find all the answers there. You need to be on the ground speaking to farmers and asking for advice. Next up, we have a question from one of our listeners, Inga Geja, director of Bayi Holdings in the Eastern Cape. And he has a question on irrigation equipment. We're also joined by David Ntombeni, a seasoned mixed farmer and founder of Gegana Farming, who answers our farmer question. Let's jump right into it. My name is Inga from Bayi Holdings. Guys, I need your advice or something. I am a farmer from Sinkeep Trader Holdings. I want to find out something. Which one is better, a sprinkler or a drip irrigation system? I'm a cabbage farmer. What I will advise for the guy in the Eastern Cape, first he needs to check the area that where he's going to plant and the soil, what type of soil, where he's going to plant these cabbages. And then also do consultation with the suppliers so that they can come and check his area and they might advise the best for him which one to opt for. And also look in terms of cost of either springs or drip irrigation, maintenance, and also electricity consumption. Those are the components of factors that needs to be taken into consideration when you select the system that you want to use. It's user-friendly. It's input cost of using it, its maintenance, and the accessibility of maintaining it in terms of space. Join us again next week when we meet another seasoned steward of the earth, ready to guide the next generation of farmers. Don't miss out on this exclusive article covering this episode. Make sure that you bookmark www.foodformzanzi.co.za to be the first to read it. To our amazing audience of farmers and agriculture enthusiasts, thanks for joining us and remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. From me, Duncan Masiwa, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, where your fields be fertile and your harvests bountiful. Mm-hmm.